I do not know about you, Ian, but the season three premiere of Mr. Robot certainly punched me in the dick. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot that happened in that episode. It was good stuff. Now, for those of us who did not hate season two and uh, appreciated the fact that we took a deep dive into the characters and to uh, plots and had a good time doing that. See, I love the preparation. I love, I love knowing how the knife is uh, sharpened. I don't love uh, knowing how the, the beef is killed, but I'm, you know, not a head in the sand kind of person. I appreciate if it's it's done in a humane uh, and, uh, you know, it's really not awesome for the, you know what I'm going with this metaphor. I don't, I don't want to go down a whole like slaughterhouse thing, but um, I really liked what Sam Ismail did with season two because we would not be here without all of that in this exciting, fast-paced we're getting shit done. Lines are being drawn. Um, season. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I still don't understand what people are so upset about with season two. I don't. I think it just. First of all, I think these things are uh, are. Um, I think people are lemmings. I think one person, some critic, goes. It felt slow. And usually, people who say that kind of shit are people who like write. You know, TLDR. Too long. Didn't read. Um, they, they want, if you want a show that's going to shit out a present with a bow on top, you shouldn't watch the show. It's going to be very frustrating. You know, it's like going into a Chuck E. Cheese and expecting it to be a titty bar. Okay. Again, not a good, uh, example, but it's like you just, this show is, is actually trying to do something I think is big and bold. And that is take its time to explain some shit to you so that when you get to these seasons where, we're going to have all this stuff, you know, happening at you, coming you really fast. You're not like, what's going on? So, um, yeah, think, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shitting on season two at all. And I, I actually, it's, it made season three really exciting yeah. waiting up to it. Cause I thought season two was so really good. A lot of the criticism I read was mostly that it felt very flat in season two and, and the writing seemed, you know, off. And, and, and it's funny, the same people who say that about season two actually quoted it and referenced it again and again and again. So what's your fucking point, man? Yeah. Jealous you know much? I think that's what it is. I think some of this is like, you know, maybe it's jealousy or, I don't know, people just like to shit on things and you know how I feel about that. Um, so season three, we are hitting the ground running with, um, we get to meet a new character. We get to meet Mr. Uh, Bobby Cannavale as Irving, our car salesman. I believe old school hacker. He did a hack in front of us. Yeah. I think this is one of his, I think the, like everything, like his main employer, his big employer is White Rose, and then he's a social engineering hack guy. He knows a lot about cars, the DMV. Um, I think he's got this strange, kind of he's uncomfortable with modern technology, but he knows how to like rock some old hacks. So I think there's something, you know, he, he definitely looks like a throwback. He looks like a 90s throwback. It's like an analog hacker. He does a little bit, yeah. He feels like that to me. I think that's what he's supposed to be. And I haven't read anything to that effect, but I'm just saying like with the ear thing and the pompadour and the old cars and him kind of like trying to figure out the camera before he takes a picture of like Elliot on the floor. I love this character already. And as I've said about Bobby Cannavale, whom I adore, he's 
he's really, really wonderful in this kind of um, supporting player. You want this guy to come in and be your villain uh, of this season, but he's so likable. You're like, really? I don't want to hate this guy. I love this guy. Irvin's writing a book. You know, he's he's probably on the verge of being inappropriate. He's like level-headed and sort of zen. A little zen, yeah. About, you know, until that moment where he's like, we can put the bullet back, buddy. Right. You know. Right. Now, I want to hear from White Rose. I want to know what's over. It's like, yeah. And he's been like, uh-huh, okay. He seems kind of innocuous <laughs> until he's like, yeah. When What is it? When we lose our principles. Yeah. We invite chaos. We invite chaos. Or something like that. Yeah. And I love his whole like, and I've always been, I've had that same question. Once you get your uh, card punched and you get the free item, and he's like, do we, is it a time-based thing? Do I get back in line? Do I you leave the You see the, the faulty logic here. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to be loving the hell out of Bobby Cannavale on the, this season. I think he's just going to be, he's going to be our humor. I wonder if he, he's going to get violent. I wonder if we're going to see the violence see him get violent. I would love to see him like, uh-huh, and then like punch Mr. Robot in the dick. Um, you know, that's coming. Or Tyrell. Tyrell needs a good punch in the dick at this point. He's... What about the Swede? What about the Swede? Yeah. Mm. Take a little bit of sip of my Coca-Cola. Please sponsor us, Coca-Cola. Please sponsor us. Sponsored by (laughs) Coca-Cola. Even Red Wheelbarrow. (laughs) Well, even even though it's a a front for uh, Evil Corp, we'll take your, uh, your money, too. So we know that we're going into the season with a lot of stuff happening. Off the top, you know, because we've speculated but uh, amongst ourselves you and I what is white roses project at uh, Washington Township and you know being a person who is a, a I wouldn't say I'm a full-blown redditor I'm a redditor dabbler um I'm more of a lurker and then I'll participate when I feel like I can add to the conversation and a lot of people are pretty smart on there so I don't really feel the need to swing my dick around but um I do agree with the theory even before we had the reveal in this uh, premiere that White Rose's project is about parallel universes or playing with time, expanding time, you know, the Wayback Machine. She's creating a a really elaborate, almost um, realistic TARDIS, if you will, so she can go back in time, you know, and create the world in, you know, her own image or, you know, rights and wrongs. There's definitely a God complex. I think Sam Ismail said in a New York Times article about this season that White Rose is one of those people that you see this with like uh, Richard Branson and Elon Musk. You know, these people who are, they have more money than God. They can, you know, go off and retire to an island and and be as bad as they want to be. Or they can have, take their time in their lives to explore space or explore the depths of the ocean. And I think in White Rose's case... Um, she wants to explore time itself and has been working on this project. What we did not know, uh, and we all had kind of an inkling, is that Edward had some kind of hand in this project. Now, he didn't know um, he had a hand in the project. He was just working on his piece of whatever, but because he was such a brilliant engineer, um, he was able to set White Rose's project forward a bit. And in the process was exposed to huge amounts of radiation, as one might need uh, building a quantum computer or whatever it is. And he gives his life for it. And then she reveals like, hey, you know, that was that was pretty cool, whatever did. And he, he sacrificed his life, even though he didn't know it. And now his son's working for us. 
And she goes to say, you know, this is a coincidence. And her assistant's like, you don't believe in that. She's like, no, 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 no. Buh, 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 buh. He came along and we're going to accept this. And we're going to, you're like, why wouldn't she just like put him in a room and threaten him with all of his loved ones? But she has this kind of poetic sense about how this project should go. She sort of takes the fates into play. You know, this is a scientific project, but it also requires a lot of faith and it requires um, a lot more of us than just the ones and zeros or in the case of a quantum computer, it doesn't really use ones and zeros. So she says to this guy, you know, Elliot's rage is our jam. Like his, his completely unadulterated focused rage is going to take us down this path. And the path is that now he's going, he's derailing uh, evil corp that gives her the distraction that gives her, um, the pathway, if you will, to not be deterred to work on her project. I think, um, also I have a feeling that, uh, the white, the Washington township project is sitting over there in New Jersey, just sucking all the energy out of, uh, New York and, and parts around. It's all the, the rolling brownouts. I think that's probably got to be part of what it is. It's sucking up a lot of energy. They're making some progress. They're on a schedule. We find out that they're on a schedule and it's because, Elliot kicked five nine into gear, and I think we're on a on a schedule to get some things done. So that's why they, all those those brownouts and blackouts are happening. They're they're making some leaps and bounds. And she says to her assistant slash lover guy, um, he must his will must be our guide. So this is the reason why she just doesn't go in and like hook him up to some car batteries and make him do the hack. There's there's some sort of poetry. In it. Yeah, that was the that was really interesting or weird because it it sort of I found that scene being like uncharacteristic of White Rose, where everything was very before that was very calculated, and yet this very this her big life thing, she's almost leaving it to the fates in a sort of a <clears throat> right kind of a way where it's like okay we do have structure but you also need a little bit of magic well i think the magic came in the form of edward alderson you know this uh just regular seemingly joe who comes along now when she's talking to her her um her colleague when she says you know his his anger, his uh, what is it? Um, Unadulterated, focused rage. Focused rage. Is he talking about Mister Robot or is he talking about Elliot? I think they're both aware. They both uh, reference both of them when they say both. They're literally talking about him and his altar. It's a little confusing because, like, the friend also says, "Oh, they're these two people are unstable." unstable. And no, that, I think the the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows that uh, that. Elliot has this um, he has this dissociative identity disorder, and they acknowledge him and this altar. I don't think that's a secret anymore. Everybody knows his therapist. You know, the only guy who might maybe not caught up on that memo is Irving. He's like, he, he seemed like he didn't really know who the fuck yeah. I was a while ago. But so wasn't I, there wasn't there something else that happened where the person was like, uh, he doesn't. 
You don't remember? Yeah. Well, uh, Tyrell. Tyrell is always kind of like, what's going on, dude? Yeah, maybe Tyrell. And, not, and is Tyrell so butthurt in love? I don't know if he'll even believe it if you explain it to him. He's in love with one of them. Both of them. I don't know. Chucky's in love. Um, so, yeah. that. So we get to we get to the pretty quickly off the bat in our opening credits. It's revealed to us. They literally say the words parallel universe. Sam Ismail's like, I'm not trying to be yeah. coy with you guys. I'm not trying to bait you. I didn't like the whole prison thing. Wasn't a bait and switch. I'm not trying to give you a twist. We're literally building a machine that's trying to create a parallel universe. We're very close to making that happen. And I do believe that, that going back in time, when uh, Edward's talking about his medical bills and stuff like that, for when Elliot falls out the window and shit like that, I do think that he's given a sum of money. I think he's given a chunk of change. The settlement? Settlement. I think um, there's a settlement, but I think there's a little bit more, you know, cash in it for him because, you know, I just feel like he had a, he has a deal. Like he knew, oh, we gave you cancer, but don't worry about anything. You know, there's money. So, because I'm always wondering, how does Elliot, like, pay his rent? And how is his mom living in that home? Who's paying for that? No, we know everybody got some well, kind does, of payoff. He, he does have that job at at Allsay. He doesn't have it right now. No. He keeps getting fired from his jobs after he like tears up the machine room or I don't know, hacks it and brings it to its knees. So he's like he's flying without he doesn't seem to need money is what I'm saying. So he's you think he's he's got some type of um not trust fund. I but think something's sitting something, around for them, and I think that was some left. sort of stipend yeah, left and over. And I think that's a gift of White Rose. Sorry we killed your dad. Here's some money for the fam. And when you're ready to die, you can die for us too. And yeah, that was the big, um, you know, dun, dun, dun. She goes, you know, and when he's, we're, he's done his great work for us and set us, you know, got our Wayback Machine all fired up and rolling, he can sacrifice himself for us just like his father did. And we'll put a trust fund out there for, uh, I don't know, Flipper. Or something. It's got no kids. So. Cordy's going to get a whole new fish bowl. Cordy's going to have um, a fish tank the size of Elliot's apartment, which he should. But living with uh, with Angela, he's still in the same shitty small tank. So way to go, Angela. Way to go, Angela. Um, she all about herself? Okay, so. One of the things I want to say that Ismail has said about season three, just to set up people's expectation out there, is that one of his favorite shows of late was the reboot of Twin Peaks. Not even the reboot. It's it's the third episode, if you will, of Twin Peaks The Return. And he kind of really enjoyed the anti-plot, as he says, about David Lynch. Although I think there was plenty of plot there. I just think that it's... Uh, done in such a Lynchian way that you have to dig through it. But the way Ismail interprets that is he's almost anti-plot. Now, having said that, I think he literally is going to give you shit tons of plot and shit tons of character-driven stories this season. But he's also after this. He's like, you can go on Reddit and you can crowdsource, you know, Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. And I love it when people do that. I'm a Redditor as well. But if you're wanting to, like, you know, dissect every single aspect of every single episode, you might as well just go on Wikipedia and just, you know, go through all of those things. Like, it's it's really not, if you're, I think he says, if all you care about is I need to understand every moment in this episode and I need to understand where it's going and I need to understand what everyone is doing and what everyone wants, uh, then just read a breakdown on Wikipedia. So for him, he says that's secondary to his main goal is, 
How does this make you feel? And the one thing that I, I love about that statement is this show definitely makes me feel a specific way. And I think it does that with the audience in general. It really evokes a lot of different things from people. Um, not even the same things. I think yeah, and it's not necessarily a conservative, liberal no. explanation either. No. No, I mean, of course, you know, there's that, it's almost 500-word-long rant that Elliot goes on to, and I'm going to call it the punches in the dick uh, monologue, that's just beautiful. I actually transcribed it and and read it out loud to myself. It's, it's a thing of beauty, and we'll get to it. But it's it's not necessarily about even that there's the way the show makes me feel is is myriad things yeah about relationships about friendships about future um being able to take what's going on in our world right now and put it into some sort of context also while not being complacent in your world as it's happening um not taking things for granted being proactive not falling asleep taking responsibility um having a good time and being a, sh- a better brother. Let's just talk about the fact that Elliot is the shittiest brother ever. His poor sister is at his house on the lam from caught between the FBI, and the dark army. Her boyfriend's been killed like right in front of her, killed. right next to her. There's blood in her clothes and she's literally just gotten out of the, you know, Dom's clutches and uh, Elliot is like, what did you tell the FBI? You know, so. Do you think you think um, Darlene is the moth? And she's flying too close to the flame? Oh, absolutely. I think that's what that song meant. You know, I think at first she was like, hey, I'm a big leader. Look at what we're doing. We're being a badass. She thinks. And the Cisco says. She believes. Yeah, he's like, you, what the fuck? You're not special. But like she thinks that the femtocell that they planted with the FBI was to pull off this, you know, silly little FBI, you know, surveillance hack. And then here's, here's, uh, you know, her brother saying, okay. Oh, no, that was just the back door I just set up. Right, yeah. for to bring down Evil Corp to blow up this building. And she finally gets the plan. So all this time she's marching around in her stripy shorts and her combat boots and her Hamilton jacket thinking that she's leading a revolution like old school. And he's like, no, 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 no. I was in the pokey pulling this shit off as Mr. Robot. That's how fucked up this is. We have bigger fish to fry. And all of a sudden, she's just in an even bigger spiral. What have I been doing this for? You know, and, and, and who am I doing this for? Family is not a thing. This person is my family, and, and he's so far from me right now, I can't even imagine. He's so far from hers. When they go to the, the Capture the Flag 1984 tourney, that she goes to the bathroom when she has a, a, her panic attack and calls Dom. I think she calls Dom. You think that's Dom? Absolutely. I don't think she's calling Angela. You know, I think she's calling Dom and saying, you know, she is so isolated. There's literally no one to reach out to. And she calls Dom. So, who told her? She said, We're, you and I are going to be best little homies. So she's so at this point, she's she's definitely compromised. I think so, too. I mean, and also Dom Dom's Go, Dom's probably her her superpower is that she has no life and her whole world is talking to Alexa and masturbating, you know, and other than that, it's, it's 90% casework. 
Now, you've got 6,233 agents working on this, but you have one agent that is just so singularly focused because she's alone, because she knows what loneliness is, because she ponders the end of things herself, and she's looking at the cruelty and injustice of the world from another angle that that isn't too goody-two-shoes in my way. It's like she knows something that Elliot didn't know, and that is you think you're going to go out and like start a revolution? You're just going to create more fucking chaos, dude. And people like me keep that from the door. So I think she understands uh, what's going on with Darlene. She's like, I know how alone this feels. I know how vulnerable you feel right now. So when Darlene makes that phone call, you know Dom's going to be on the other end going, yep, finally. Finally. You know, I can get her ear... And we can talk some sense into the situation. I wonder if if Dark Army is going to 86 Darlene or do something. Because what they did was essentially when they, when they went down to get him off the computer, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't – those two guys weren't going to do anything sinister to them. All they did was help them um, shake the FBI. Yeah, that's right. But I do know that – well, ultimately, though, Irving looks at her in the corner when he goes, you know, hey, you need you, – I need proof from White Rose. You could, Or you could lose again. Yeah, that's where they got – While looking at Darlene. So yeah. I think the reason they keep Darlene around is just because they can use it over Elliot. Ultimately, they can snap him out of it and go, would you like to lose this person in your family right now in front of you? Yeah, it's really, So it's, I think yeah. they keep her around as leverage. I think otherwise, without him, she would have been – I mean, I think the, the assassins targeted Cisco when they rolled up to Lupe's. I think they were not even trying to kill uh, Dom. If they got Dom, maybe good, maybe fine. But they specifically picked off Cisco. Yeah. Because if they wanted Darlene gone, you know. Well, yeah, Elliot. Both said of them would have yeah. hopped off. It would have been two like motorcycles rolling up. It was that was a hit for one guy, right? I mean, maybe I'm missing some things. So let's go back to, uh, let's look at Angela. So Angela, seemingly snake, traitor. Um, She's, you know, in league with Mr. Robot. She's keeping things from Elliot. She's also telling Elliot's secrets and stuff to Mr. Robot. Um, So she's rolling with the program. She's been brought in by White Rose to manage. Yeah, White Rose did something to her. But she doesn't even like Mr. Robot. She doesn't like Mr. Robot at all. She doesn't like this persona because he's, you know, he's kind of violent. He's kind of a douche. He's he's also very old school misogynist, I would imagine. For some reason, um, Elliot's conjuring of this really sweet guy in life is this kind of apple teeny swigging sexist dude he's always reading playboy and hitting on women in his head you know so yeah i think he would just come off to someone like angel like ew but he's there to get business done yeah and to, to bring her closer to her mother again she I think, you know, when they have that uh, moment, her and Elliot, where he gives her the kiss, and she's just like, get off me. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, if Elliot just, just kissed a girl without it just being awkward or weird or them going, ew. 
Now, he did get to kiss Shayla, Shayla, but if he would just have maybe a normal relationship with someone, anyone, maybe he'd stop hacking the world and, uh, you know, be okay. I don't know. Uh, but that rejection there is interesting because she's gotten a glimpse from that time, that 28 minutes with White Rose. She's learned, you know, the, about this parallel universe machine. You know, you can see your family again. And maybe she knows in going back in time or going to see this parallel universe, she can see where she has a relationship with Elliot that's healthy and normal. She has a life that is enjoyable. Although the promise of a parallel universe is not, is not always better. You should watch Rick and Morty. Sometimes you go there and everybody's butthole is where their, you know, face should be or whatever. Or sometimes, yeah, the whole, the whole universe gets fucked up. Exactly. So, you know, it's just, uh, so wishing for a parallel universe may not be probably the better, um, the deal here. You may get something worse. So he goes in to kiss her and you think because I've had that kiss on the subway, that this is going to be your couple. The show is sort of played with this, will they, won't they? They've literally said that out loud in the um, the 90s episode. And we've had hints of them getting together and her in a wedding dress and him in a tuxedo and a hoodie and the, you know, arcade. And eating QWERTY. And eating QWERTY at their wedding cake thing. I don't know what was going on. But so you think, oh, this is going to be one of those things. But this is not that show. Again, this is... This isn't Burn Notice. This isn't, you know, all the other shows that you would expect to have a love interest. I think what they're going to do with that is what they're doing, which is totally invert that relationship. Yeah, it's it's like all of a sudden it's just it's it has been inverted. It's weird because I don't know anybody's role anymore. Because they were setting it up to where he imagines himself having dinner with her and, you know, they keep they keep going – they have that look together with each other at all safe. And then the news about Colby breaks and looks like they're about to kiss. And she seems like she gets really jealous when she sees Shayla naked in his bed. And you're thinking, oh, my God. So they're going to take this there. And I think you and I are both going, eh, really? Do we have time for a love interest thing? I mean, I love Darlene and Cisco's kind of fucked up, uh, crazy baseball bat relationship, you know, bathroom sex thing. I, that kind of worked for me. I was like, this show, we can sustain that kind of relationship. Yeah, because it's not, you know, main character sap fest. It isn't. and Or it's like, uh, you know, Joanna and Tyrell are all choky-choky while he goes out and, you know, um, fucks executives' assistants, you know, in their apartments. So that's the kind of – I think that's where our tone is set. So I was kind of happy to see this relationship not be this just buttermilk, you know, cis – gender hey kind of thing where she pulls away and and Elliot's like yeah that hurt that that really burns that all this time I was thinking we were a thing but then he gets it he goes I've known Angela since she was eight she doesn't love the people who love her she loves the people who don't this is her power save uh, power, power saver mode which is the name of the episode and I think a lot of the songs uh that Matt Quayle puts in this episode are about um, breakups, um, they certainly cover that territory. And I think this is about a, a breaking up with the past. I think it's a breaking, a coming apart between Elliot and his alter, Mr. Robot. I think it's a, I think it's the rift that's happening between Elliot and his sister. 
I think it's uh, the rift that's happening between Elliot and Angela. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, yeah, because they're all three of those relationships. We're gonna they're gonna be pushed to some some point point of you know, is Darlene gonna be <clears throat> what what is it a uh, um, a snitch? Is she in league with the thingy? Is she a Manchurian candidate? A Manchurian candidate is I, mm. is is what you call is um. Angela, is she going to allow White Rose to destroy Elliot? I, you know what, my, I have a theory right off the top, just watching this premiere, and I think you know what I would do if I was writing this. No one's asked me to, by the way, but if I was gonna, if I'm Sam Ismail and I'm writing this show, you know what, what I think will happen is we'll be like, God damn it, Angela's ratting him out, and she's being a turncoat, and blah blah blah, and she's like literally wearing white like she's the savior of the world but i think ultimately in her heart because mr robot asked her on the bus during daft uh daft punk's touch and if you listen to the lyrics of that song that should tell you a lot uh about what's going on there but he says i really want to know why you're doing this you know you and i are not she says you and i are not friends i'm not talking to you like i talked to elliot I'm just doing this to get this stuff done. I'm here to push him along. Isn't that what you do? Yeah, what you're doing. And he goes, look, if we're going to work together, I don't trust you. So I'm going to ask you one more time, why are you doing this? What's in it for you? And she says, you know, I'm doing this because I thought all this time I couldn't win um, against Evil Corp. To kill my mother. I wanted revenge. And even when you came up with this crazy plan, I was like, that's not, that, that's not even going to work. But this... This thing that White Rose has shown me that will obliterate, it looks like, Evil Corp. That seems to be her ultimate enemy. It's like she, she's going to move it to a time where Evil Corp was never existed. existed. Right. To a place where they can make changes. So that is going and to the supersede. the things that, that made it happen completely mm-hmm. change. And that's going to supersede <clears throat> anything that's gone down. So like I said, going back to earlier point. Angela can have a different relationship with Elliot. She can have a different relationship with the world. So that's her raison d'etre. Now, but how far is to, she willing yeah, to go? Because I mean, the only we we found out in season two that the reason they know each other is because of what happened to their parents. So, so if you change that, then maybe they never know each other. No, yeah. maybe they never do. So she's having to sacrifice something. And right now it looks like she's sacrificing Elliot for the greater good. She, she asked that. What are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. And, huh. and she was telling him after this rejected kiss. And I don't think that she was repulsed by it. I don't think that she was not into it. I think this is something that she has wanted for a very, very long time as well. She's just making herself not want this. There's a song in this show by Laura Brannigan. That tells me that that this is what this is pointing out to. It's like overview. Uh, Laura Brannigan's overview is where the person has that typical "I'm over you" and don't expect me to be crying over you anymore. And you were the one who walked away, and just don't ever believe that I'm in love with you because you have to you have to throw the rock at Nymeria so she'll go into the woods. You have to make her believe in her dog mind, her direwolf mind that. You're go away because you're ultimately saving their life. In this case, it's like I need to cut myself off from this thing I've wanted so I can do something for the greater good of the world. 
So you believe that's uh, that's Angela's motivation? I think it is for now, and I do think that that will change. Um, I think there's also other la- uh, layers to it. I think Irving is right when he says something smells rotten about the situation when she delivers. Like so, um, Ellie goes to bed in her apartment and wakes up as Mr. Robot in the middle of the night, and then she takes him down to the bunker where Tyrell is, Tyrell Love Nest Bunker. And Irving's like, this just something's up. This guy didn't act like he knew me before. But I think in general, Irving's smelling something rotten in the state of Denmark with Angela and this whole thing. Because I don't think that Angela's playing anyone straight. I don't think she's talking to Irving straight. I don't think she's she's dealing with Tyrell straight. Or even White Rose? Maybe some degree to that, yeah. Because we've seen kind of this thing, and I want to see more of this. Season two was confusing for for me with Angela. Yeah, well, but she She had... was the most unfocused character for me because she was sidling up next to... Um, Price. Price. Like, she was, she was thinking she was going to go on, on a date with Philip Price, who runs the company that murdered her mother. And again, even though we have Elliot saying she doesn't love the people who love her, she loves the people who don't, I'm like, that's still not enough for me. So hopefully we will be able to see in this next nine episodes a little bit more into Angela's motivation, who she is, because just watching her do affirmations and screw dudes who are bad for her or whatever is not enough for me to know where she's headed yet. But I think hopefully there's a lot more to play with. But I think the theme of this whole thing is we're we're definitely setting up to tear relationships apart. It's going to be, you know, as Millis said that the the season's about duality and disintegration. And I don't think duality just applies to Elliot. Duality is that's Darlene, that's Dom, that's, you know, Angela, that's even White Rose. That's all the players in this have a duality. Oh, so what are the both sides of the the coin? And then how far does this disintegration go? Until, you know, we can turn this ship. Can this ship be turned? Because at this point, there's no practical way, even as much as um, Elliot wants it, to stuff this genie back in the bottle. There's just no going back after 5-9. Yeah. I mean, well, like, yeah. we know in our modern times right now with what's happening, the Republic or whatever you're calling our country and the rest of the world, it just will never be the same again. The only way you know how to to kind of deal is how do you go forward? Yeah, how, how do you evolve yourself? Yeah, and did you learn? And and even if we learn, we're still are we doing the third rack again? You know what's going on? So, I think the show is sort of taking that premise totally in hand. Even the show is set in 2015. Um, it's certainly acknowledged even visually in Elliot's uh, monologue of this is where we're headed. You know what I did with five nine was just open us up for the slaughter. Um, to be compromised, to be weak. And I'd like to blame this on all of these people, the NFA, the, the uh, you know, the CIA and Adam Smith for even inventing modern capitalism. And I can blame it on money and I can blame it on us for letting, letting it, you know, divide us. But none of that's true. The truth is I'm the one to blame. I'm the problem. This is my fault. All of it. I did this. Fuck me. So, He's on this super guilt martyr trip. He's going to do his best to undo 
And I don't know how the hell he thinks he's going to be able to get that done, especially since his altar is up all night hanging out with Angela, uh, undoing the, the back door. Because he manages to close the back door at the hacker tournament. And it, now here's Mr. All, uh, Robot sitting down at the with the hack with that fresco and the whole nine and going, well, I just reopened it, so, yeah. When I, I was thinking when he had mentioned, I think it was earlier on in the episode, he said something about... You know, as as Elliot about undoing everything. I don't know if it was this episode. It was it was towards the end of last last season, but he did mention something about you know having everything you know the the five nine undone. And then I thought of um, Trenton because yeah. she figured out a yeah. way to do it right. And then we see them in in Arizona, and then that's the last we see of them. Well, two, two things in my but mind. But if she could figure that out, wouldn't Elliot already know this? Probably. So we have to go to what does Mr. Robot know? And this is kind of where I was uh, sort of ended the, my kind of thoughts on the episode is that Mr. Robot probably knows all about the undo. And he probably knows about the Wayback Machine, the Parallel Universe Machine, um, the quantum computer or whatever White Rose is building. He knows about it. And... um I think super smart people maybe have even picked up glimpses of this. Everybody's thinking that Mobley and Trenton are doomed. Elliot even says it. Um, you know, they're probably dead. They're probably dead. I don't, I'm starting to think after seeing that reveal of this machine that's being built that I think Mr. Robot sent Leon to fetch Mobley and Trenton because he knows that he needs a team. That it can't just be Terrell. He doesn't have Romero. He doesn't have Cisco. He needs some of the best hackers in the world. And he specifically hand-recruited um, Mobley and Trenton um, and Romero. And Romero. So I don't think that Leon's on a... I don't think you send a guy like Leon with his kind of skill set to Arizona just to, to kill a couple of hackers. I think you send Dark Army, somebody close at hand... They go over there, they show up in the middle of the night, and they kill Make you. Make it look like a stray Fuck yeah, they don't show up with the fries. Yeah. You know, they don't have this whole big thing. I think you have Leon show up to retrieve uh, these guys. Now, they don't have to come all the way to New York. They could work remotely or wherever, just out of arm's reach or visuals. But I don't necessarily think that Mobley and Trenton are done for. It just doesn't make any sense. You don't send... Leon just seems like a really big tool to use for that for task. That. I could also, be wrong. Also, they're gonna. It looks like this this season. What they're gonna do is like last season, or or yeah, last season he was trying to eliminate Mister Robot from him. I think this season they're gonna try to eliminate Elliot. Oh yeah, I think he's like, look, what you try to do? To, you made me live in like that woman's uh -huh. house in our mind. And then when they when they're leaving at the end with Angela and uh, Mister Robot, she has that that um, sedative kit. Yeah, you know, in case Mister you know Elliot comes back, they we'll can just dope his ass out, and then you'll pop under, back yeah. up. Yeah. So, oh man. So there's a there's figuratively and literally this kind of war between the you know Elliot. And Mr. Robot. And Mr. Robot learned a lot in prison about how Elliot operates. He knows, oh, I know what you're going to do. I know you're going to try to outsmart me. And he is always having to th think three steps ahead 
of Elliot. Now we're getting to see what Mr. Robot does in the shadows. Yeah, that's what you, that's going to be interesting. There was other cool things that um, I liked. I liked that we tied in the fact that Irving was probably the one who left the red wheelbarrow uh, menu outside Elliot's uh, place. And then you mentioned um, that it's probably now a, what, what, a dark army front. Well, no, that's what Elliot says that. Oh, he does? He said, yeah, he says it in the episode. Yeah. But um, I think you mentioned it before. I think I said I said before. Um, before we even watched it, we were just talking, yeah, and you were no. like, you know, this. I they just hit it. us over the yeah. head with this shit so much that I'm like, his yeah. journal in the the special one off book is Red Wheelbarrow, and then Tyrell's poem, Red Wheelbarrow, and he's and like, they're always Did I showing do that? the storefront, yeah, and just something, and yeah. then the guy, uh, what's his name, the guy in the, the white suit, Stephen Lynn is hamburger man. He's always shout out it. to Stephen Lynn. There you go. I was eating that hamburger like a pro in the same outfit. Not, I just want he's him not to like any ketchup on that. I want him to come to Comic Con, like next Comic Con, and just stand on stage the entire Steve. like Q and A and just eat a hamburger. What if he was dressed suit? up like that and he just stood outside in the like just yeah. the the entryway? Yeah. And just eating a hamburger all day. I think any question that the actors wouldn't be able to answer about the upcoming season would be answered by Stephen Lynn just steps out of the shadows on the dais and just chews on the hamburger and then goes back in. That's the way you just can't answer questions about the season. That's what I would do with him. He's so awesome. Um, but yeah. do that for Halloween. Yeah. I wonder if anybody would get that. You just put on one of those white suits and have those glasses. Yeah. yeah. We'd do it. You would be perfect for it. I'm a little too brown. I think I'm too brown. Um, what do you mean? You're Asian. I know, but I'm. He I'm, literally is Asian. He's light, light, lighter skinned. Oh yeah, let's go on method. <laughs> you were white rose last year for uh, for uh, Halloween. Yeah, but and Beanie Wong is light, light skinned. Uh, yes, he yeah, is. I guess so. Um, okay, so we talked about. Got to stay out of the sun. Stay out of the sun. Stay out of the sun. For Good the luck next with month. your dark Halloween costume. Um. I'm just trying to think about all the things that happened and they what they packed in this premiere, and it was just so fun. I think I watched it two and a half times. We didn't see any um, anything from Price from that side. No, saw no Dom. Was there no Dom? Mm-mm. No Dom. No, um, what's her name? Tyrell's wife. Joanna. No Joanna. I think that's coming. I think she's going to – I think uh, Tyrell's going to be off the hook. I think he's going to be – that whole Scott Knowles thing is going to – he's going to get pent for the murder. If they remove him as being the guy in the middle, the closest guy is Elliot next. Sure. And, and what is Dom doing with that and who they believe who is? I don't know. All, all that is the, the larger plot to play, and I, I don't even want to guess what those things are. I do want to say that I, I appreciated um, – in Elliot's monologue, we think that he's walking down the street, and this is the first time we've seen Elliot talk to us out loud. Normally, it's in uh, voiceover, so I liked that kind of switch over. So he's sort of talking to us, um, and is acknowledging all of these different things that he usually acknowledges. But he seems more present now. He's not like, "Where am I? What's going on? Oh my God!" Like he's he's awake and he's cognizant of what's going on. I also like the fact that he goes to this memorial wall, and we see. You know, Gideon and Shayla and like Romero. All the people that have Cisco. died just because of him. Right. He's like, this is, you know, what I find interesting about uh, Romero, if it was a stray bullet from the backyard, how is that all of a sudden Elliot's fault, by the way? Do we think 
that Mr. Robot went by and maybe shot Romero because he thought he was a loose cannon? Did Dark Army roll over there and make it look like an accident? Because we know how they roll. I don't think Romero's death was an accident. And if Elliot didn't have anything to do with it, why does he feel guilty about it? If it was just a random bullet. Or does he just not know that yet? I don't know. And it's weird, too, because Mr. Robot does go over there and threaten him with a gun. Fuck yeah, he does. So, And if we're talking about, like, you know, d- different parallel universes, mm-hmm. it's like, who's to say in one of those fair parallel universes that Mr. Robot didn't shoot him that day? So it's like weird. Elliot's uh, one, was it C-34, whatever. Um, Like the Rick and Mortys have their numbers. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's a lot. I just found that interesting. Like here's Shayla. We know that he definitely got her killed. Here's Gideon. We know he definitely had a hand in him having him uh, mm-hmm. get killed. Cisco obviously put him right in the crosshairs when he demanded to have that meeting, and they showed up and they marked him. Like that, literally, those things caused the death of those people. So Romero seems a little strange to me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, just trying to think about. Um, where we're going to be headed in this season. I feel like it's going to be more action-packed. I feel like we're not going to be pondering our buttholes too much. I feel like it's every episode's going to require several re- re-watches, and I think it's designed that way. I don't know, but I feel like you're going to have to, like, pay attention. Um, little shout-outs in this, um... In this in this premiere, um, Rami and Christian have producer credits. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Normally, I would. I don't think they've been producers before, but it's the first time I've noticed it. So, Rami and Christian have producer credits on the show. I don't know what that means in this particular case. They give all kinds of people producer credits. Some people do nothing. Some people get more money. Some people have a creative say. So, I don't know. Um, maybe that's why Rami's uh, monologue was nine thousand pages long. No, I'm just kidding. That's because Sam Ismail is pissed off. <laughs> I'm glad he just got burned. Snap. No, I think uh, Sam Ismail was really, really pissed off and needed that character to go on that monumental uh, rant. So The dick-punching rant? Yeah, the dick-punching. There was a lot of visceral... What was this, the, the whole part of that that got me? Um, he says something about 5-9 uh, didn't give it to the invisible hand. It turned it into a fist that punches in the dick and like a botnet. The fear I created is spreading so fast it's practically airborne. It swallowed us whole, digested us, and now we're stuck in its asshole waiting to be dumped out. Dude! Yeah. <laughs> Somebody mad. Also, that's a lot of visuals. Yeah. And it's it's sort of true, I though, feel like too, that's a first draft of that script that just was like, I'm not changing a word. This is what it's going to be. I liked how, I mean, he, he, that, he came to that conclusion that... <clears throat> You know, we were trying to be revolutionaries, but what we did was we just fucked ourselves. Yeah. Because they were banking on us uh, um, turning against ourselves. Absolutely. That's how they survived. And they're exploiting that. And now they're making TV shows about our yeah. dissension and they're, you know, marketing it. You're and there's marketing, t-shirts yeah. and, you know, NBC's got a new fall show called, you know, what uh, is it? Uh, Shift sh- Control. Yeah. Shift, you know, plus control. So it's like, you know, there's no way to, like, get ahead of this yeah. and, and, and truly... 
in our fictional world of realizing a real world of revolutionary, it always gets fictionalized in the end. And then we become Brahma cows for the slaughter. And as he said, you know, we, are you know, all we've done is, um, all I did was reset to zero. And if I don't do anything about it, it's going to continue to grow in this malignant way. And that's what I'm afraid of the most. The, this dark future I set into motion, who knows uh, what could come of this? What if instead of fighting back, we caved, gave away our privacy for security, exchanged dignity for safety, and traded revolution for repression? What if we choose weakness over strength? And then even talks then about us building did, our own prison. And then that's when he like he first flashes that Donald Trump thing. Yeah, like there's all these you know images of of Theresa May and uh, Trump and Pence and the revolution that's in the street that was pulled from the headlines probably you know 15 minutes before they went into the edit bay. Yeah, um, the visuals are so fresh. So, and again, it's not that Sam Ismail is some sort of Nostradamus. I mean, if you're paying attention at all. Uh, so many people saw a lot of this coming, and so many people do in history, by the way. Or even, you know, like just how it turns out. You're not saying like, oh, this is, you know, character by character. It's just like this is what could happen if you let – if some things go unchecked. Exactly. Down a certain path. Like right now. Yeah. That's why the show is not comforting. Yeah. <laughs> On some do you know what was, no, was kind of weird though? Do you, like, do you know when, when Darlene was talking to Elliot and – She's like, what was stage two? That was part of your thing, you know, the the phone that we had. Yeah. They said it was yours. What is it? And he tells he tells her what it was, and then she gets all upset. She's like, what? And blow that thing down and kill all those people. But then last season, she had no problems with just totally killerizing Susan uh, Jacobs. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm getting this weird. Just like with Angela, I was like, I can't. I don't know. Who Angela and Darlene are anymore? Well, if we're looking at the duel, I don't think I right now. I don't think Darlene knows the fuck she is either. Yeah, I think she's I having some. She needs some medication and a cocktail. Um, I think that Darlene is saying to herself, you know, or, or what she would tell Elliot if they, if he would like, you know, listen to her because he's like a shitty listener, or tell us is that Susan Jacobs laughed when her mother died. She she crossed the street to make sure that Evil Corp got away with the murder of twenty six people. Um, so, so her justice was a long time coming and she felt nothing about that particular death. Although I don't buy that either. I don't think that she's getting off scot-free for that. I think all of this stuff is building up, but when it comes to innocent people who have done nothing, uh, I don't think Darlene would find that all cool. Um, I don't think she's a cold-blooded serial killer. Yeah, maybe so. I just, I don't, I don't think the Alderson children in general. I don't see her flipping. I way. think the Aldersons, like, she has that side of her that saw that justice needed to be served in that particular case. But she's also got that good side, like Elliot does, like, I'm not killing these people, I'm not killing these people. Then he's got Dr. Mr. Robot over there going, yeah, but we kind of could. I mean, you know, break well, a few they, eggs. Uh, they wanted to blow up Steel Mountain the first time around. Exactly. Right? Just, you know, but he said, you know, I'm not killing people. And she was just like, yes. Yeah, but Darlene so. was in on that, right. too. She built the root kit and the whole the whole night. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like. It's not like I'm. It's like finding fault with anything. No, it's, it's not just a... like these are things. that like, oh, these characters. I mean, they threw, they fucked up my brain right now. How do I, you know? It's kind of awesome. It's awesome because there are. There's no black and white in the show. There really isn't. It's all about the gray, isn't it? As as we are as people, you know. One day, you know, one minute you're a douche, the next minute you're the best person you know. You know, that's just, I mean, I don't know how everybody else sees themselves, but I don't see myself as like the most perfect 
special, wonderful person in the world, but I also don't see myself as a horrible piece of shit to be set on fire. Yeah, Yeah, it's not that bad now. I mean, I got my days, I got my problems, but fuck. Um, No, I have a pretty uh, healthy dose of self-loathing that, you know, keeps it real. Uh, I want to say probably one of my favorite things in the episode, and I'm sure it is a lot of people's, is watching uh, that character, Elliot, wear the property of Josh Groban shirt uh, around in the streets. Yeah, you did kind of squeal when you saw that. I fucking loved it. I just, I had so many, I have so many questions about the shirt. First of all, can we just talk about, it seems like Angela has like the best hair like apartment is very tasteful i'm sure it was pre-decorated for her by evil corp but she personally seems to have style and taste and then there's ollie her taste in men seem to be kind of shit and like i said i believe that she has these default shitty relationships because she's always thinking i can kick this guy to the curb when Elliot comes back to me or they're easy to dispose of or I love this person who doesn't love me, whatever her deal is. But I can imagine that Ollie bought this shirt for her, you know, because it looks brand new, by the way. And it, I don't know, is it a boy's shirt or a girl's shirt? It seemed, it seemed to fit Elliot. So maybe that was Ollie's shirt that he left over at the house. And she refused to return it. It was. It, it did look a little big on Elliot, right? Well, I mean, it, yeah. It probably was Ollie's shirt. I don't shirt. think it would have been her shirt, right? So Ollie leaves the shirt around. And I think there's something where she's in the ballet class. It's like, wants to come around and get his things or whatever. So she's got this shirt left over. And I'm like, are you mad at him? I mean, I guess she does wear some pretty girly stuff. But you don't got nothing laying around? You don't have like a, a zip-up jacket? I think it was just pretty... Very funny that she would choose to give him this um, pretty ridiculous shirt. By the way, I wonder, uh, we got a, I'm sure Josh Groban has made a statement about this shirt today. I wonder if. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. When they were doing that one shot where they sort of tilt up and it's, it shows the shirt, <laughs> if they had a kick on, on set. You know, just, people squealed. It was. Just giggled at that. I loved it. I just loved seeing Elliot in this shirt. I love seeing Rami Malik in this shirt. It's just because he's such a, you know, clothes horse, Mr. Stylin, for the most part. Sometimes he wears stuff that looks like, you know, I would wear. Um, Fashion week. Yeah, exactly. Fashion week. I'm going to fashion week. Going to Met Gala, whatever. What's that? What's fashion week? Uh, (laughs) It doesn't happen around here. We don't have that around here. I'm wearing the same pair of shorts I've been wearing for, for like, (laughs) the last week. I got a pair of jeans that um, Old Navy wouldn't take back. Um. I love how they had to address the upgrade at uh, Elliot's stoop. So they had this iconic kind of red, kind of very Chinatown looking. I liked the red. I thought it was great because it contrasts sort of the darkness of Elliot. And we had so many good scenes out on the stoop. Um, And then the owners thought it was a good idea to go and like doll it up. And they put all this brass and chrome, um, you know, what do you call those things? The the words escaping me. Thank you. Um, and they have to put an actor out there to, who's his landlord. We finally meet Elliot's landlord to explain, you know, Hey, all of these apartments are empty and need you to tell your friend up there that, you know, we have vacancies so they can explain this ugly entrance way. Now I thought that was very clever. It's also a way to like tell him that somebody's upstairs, but I caught something as he's going up to his apartment that Shayla's uh, door has an eviction notice on it. 
So that begs the question well, of... Well, we're guessing it's Shayla's. Because we don't know that, who no, else that it is her. Is it? Is yeah. she like right... Yeah, she's like... She's that catty... She's like across, right across the aisle from him. Remember like in the Cordy scene when they first see each other? Their doors are across from each other. It's definitely her door. Oh, okay. And I think that's kind of a shout out to... No one's found her body. No one... Or the cops haven't showed up and said, By the way, the occupant of this apartment is super dead. You know, maybe she's a Jane Doe. I don't know if she was killed with her identification on her. Probably not. And does she have a record? And, you know, would they have been able to find her through any kind of database? So if she never had a record, she would be a Jane Doe in the morgue somewhere. And um, regardless, no one's paying her rent. We know she has family because she talks about her niece. But aren't they, like, out of state? Probably. I think she she had, like, just moved in. Yeah. Yeah, she just – so she's she's definitely – yeah. It might be Elliot worst neighbor ever. Yeah, and you know he's probably not going to. You think like, can you just hack and let them? Can know you just where at least the... tell? Just be like, um, do you know what? I think make up a lie. I think she moved back to Montana. So. Or like, go find her body somewhere so her family will have it back. I mean, like, dude. Yeah, he just you, walked away from it. You read it out, Rohit. You know, with an anonymous tip, but you can't like hack into. Your former girlfriend's life and give her family peace. I don't know. That just brought up a lot of stuff for me. Maybe I'm reading – maybe it's somebody else's apartment, but I read that as Shayla's apartment. And I'm sure if I went back and watched it again, maybe I'd find out differently. Um, Let's talk about Irving's OnStar hack. That was an old school hack. I appreciated the fact that, you know, Elliot and Darlene are in the back of his cab and – or a a cab that Irving is driving – and he tells them to get the license plate, which I love how they have Elliot back in his sharp self where he goes and he wins the capture the flag thing in like two minutes. I could just win it for them. I can just win it for them. Yeah. Look at me. <sighs> and um, he just knows the license plate off the top of his head. And then she, uh, Darlene writes down the VIN and he calls into OnStar and he goes, I'm an officer. I'm officer. I think he says I'm Robert Abernathy. Something like that. Some yeah. cop handle that he probably uses a lot. And he's like, I see a driver driving erratically. And they they call up OnStar and they, they shut down the car. Because they I get mean, the VIN number from hacking into the DMV with a license plate number. And you know yeah. what? This hack is kind of known. People are like so worried about throwing their mail away with their name and their, their um, address on it. I'm like, do you know that you can actually do that hack, hack that they did last night on television? It's really not that hard. It's really not that hard to hack somebody's VIN and then do something with that. So, Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know uh, OnStar had that uh, slowdown function. Oh, absolutely. And that, that function's been around for, I mean, a, a while. Do they have like a self-destruct function? Well, shame on the FBI for like... You know, not dis- disabling that. You're chasing down a notorious hacker. You're trailing him, and you're in a GMC with OnStar. You're kind of not smart. But then if you look at the decisions that Santiago makes, Dom's boss, you know, they're not all rocket scientists. Yeah. Well, six, I mean, out of the 6,300 yeah. whatever agents. Well, I mean, they they said that in the, la- in, in the I think, the finale. She's like, he's like, um, she's making us look stupid. And she's like, well, up till now... She knows more than we do. Yeah, she kind of, she kind of does. Um, in the after show, I watched really quickly. Portia Doubleday was uh, the guest star on the um, Mr. Robot after show. 
one of the things she was asked is uh, which something she's picked up from the show, and she said she did crack someone's password on the first try. I think that was probably Rami's account, because in real life we know that he may be on the show, like, hacking things in two minutes and figuring shit out. But I think in real life, Homie doesn't... Does he Does he point and shoot when he types? I, he might. But I don't think he's that savvy. And I, I'm just guessing I think she's probably <laughs> hacked. His is probably easy. His is probably, like, his mama name and her birthday. Or him and his twin's birthday or something. It's going to be something like that. Flipper, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, and then the reference to Soylent cracked me up. Um, yeah, the hacker who was, was like, I got to go deuce it out. Um, which, again, it was a reference to Flipper deucing it out. And then on, on account of Soylent, I haven't had any of that stuff. But I still don't think the company quite appreciates those of us who grew up with Soylent Green as people. Um, so I found those were my musings. Uh, on the show, there was a lot more like to little asides that Irving would say about that's not what I mean by safekeeping. What's going on with Tyrell? Uh, obviously, he's all feeling hurt and ashamed of shooting his boo. Um, but Mr. Robot's back and he's all full of forgiveness. So maybe he'll, you know, he's ready to work. He's ready to work and maybe he'll, you know, give Tyrell a little something, something later and make him feel good. They got their own bed in their bunker. Who knows? Little candlelight. Uh, Gefelta fish or loot fish or whatever they're in Eden. So that's going to be interesting to see how that little project with Irving and Angela and Terrell and Mr. Robot works. And how are they going to keep old uh, Elliot at bay? I mean, there's only so many times you can shoot a dude up with like um, whatever she's got in her pocket there. You know, he does have, he does live in a human body. Yeah. Well, they're going to give him ketamine. So like, there's only so many things you can do to the human body. And we've seen what happens to him. Like brother kind of broke down. Um, I see him. This is what I predict. I, this is the way I think Elliot's going to fight back. So I'm going to give you a couple of predictions. I see him going and scoring, um, something like Adderall or another kind of drug that will thwart Mr. Robot. I think it's going to have to be some sort of chemical thing because you're literally dealing with something inside your own psyche. So I think he's going to reach out to some sort of illegal pharma uh, that's going to help him suppress Mr. Robot. I see that kind of happening uh, at some place. Um, I think Elliot is going to start now using his own social hacking skills to manipulate people. Uh, so when that tactic doesn't work, I think he's going to pretend to be Mr. Robot saying things um, and kind of manip- manipulate people that way. Uh, even tricking because, Angela, because who pretends yeah, to he know. Knows, well, she know. He knows the tale. She, she gave up the tell. Yeah. She said something. What so, did she say? She said, because you, your eyes, you don't look away. Right. So will Elliot somehow mani- uh, be able to figure out robots' mannerisms and recreate those so he can fool people? I don't know. So that could be some camouflage that he's going to um, tune into. Because uh, at one point, I don't think he's going to – he's going to see that he can't trust Angela as well to be his observer. Um. I love that we don't know what's going to happen. I can't wait to see Leon return. Uh, I can't always, I can't wait to see how Joanna gets out of, gets Tyrell out of all of his mess 
I can't wait to see what happens with Angela. Um, I'm already loving Christian Slater um, in his new endeavor. Yeah, any other thoughts for you? No, I'm just, I'm really excited it's back on. Um, I think this season is going to, it's going to completely change the way we've we've already approached this the first two seasons. Right. You know, it's like, who knows what's going to happen? Because when you start playing with time and space and, and just anything can happen. You get ants. Yeah. And you have to spray. And you have to spray, which is what we've been doing all. We're like, how many, how many loads of laundry have we done? A lot. We have uh, a flea outbreak. And you know how it is. And you, have, uh, you, just, you get them sometimes. And we had a really hot summer. And we don't have air conditioning. We became like this flea farm. So we, we hired the professional guys to come in. Finally broke down and did that. And it looks like we have them uh, on the run. Maybe one or two on the dog, but we had them go nuts on the house. And we've just been doing laundry. I know you guys are really interested in like how much laundry we did. Uh, we live such exciting lives that <laughs> this is watching Mr. Robot and doing lots of laundry has been um, what we do. And we live in Los Angeles. That's it's actually kind of sad all of a sudden. Uh, we've been watching something on the side that you guys should check out if you haven't seen it yet. There is a um, parody show uh, about Vikings called Norsemen. You can see that on Netflix, uh, all six episodes. Very, very, very funny. It's really funny. It's dark, but it's funny. It's hilarious. I love it. It's very Monty Python-esque. Yeah. It's a direct takeoff on um, the History Channel's Vikings and just plays with uh, so many of the tropes. It's pretty funny. I love it. So Norsemen. You have any other recommendations? I started listening to, i got to pull it up. Um, it's been around. It's in season two. But I, I just discovered it because I'm, <laughs> I'm in the know. Do not come to me for trends. Um, there is a podcast on um, Gimlet Media, Gimlet Presents, and it's called Mogul. Um, and it's the life and death of, oh, my God, it doesn't spell out the whole thing. <sighs> anyway. Mogul. Just go by that. It's on Gimlet, and it's about this hip-hop um, uh, kingmaker who came up from back in the day when hip-hop was born in New York, and they're covering his journey and uh, all the way to his, his suicide. So that one's one I've been into. Another one has uh, I've just started called Deadly Manners. You should check that out. Um, this is Christian Bell. Christian Bell and uh, I can't remember the other person doing a terrible job of promoting these podcasts, but Deadly Manners, check it out. And the final and third one is Alice Isn't Dead. This is in its second season. That's the one I was talking about earlier. Alice Isn't Dead. This is from the uh, guys who created um, the The Veil show that I love so much, Night Veil. So uh, welcome to Night Vale that created this podcast called Alice, Alice Isn't Dead. So if you love the way they do that show, you'll love this one. And other than that, you know, more robot. Other shows are popping up. We've got Walking Dead coming soon. Um, we got Ian's favorite show, Outlander. Uh, we're going to see what happens after the print shop reunion. Uh, that's that's going to be mighty and awesome. Uh, we've been watching The Deuce and uh, a myriad other shows. But uh, And they're also just been getting out and uh, taking walks and looking at nature, which uh, I suggest that you do 
as well. Uh, please don't forget to listen to us on uh, iTunes. We're Ashland on iTunes, and we are also Ashland Podcast on Facebook, and we're Ashland Podcast on Twitter. Uh, come and engage with us. Don't be douchey. Uh, be nice and cool, and we'll respond back. And if you have any opinions about the shows that we watch and you think we're missing things, let us know. We'll include your name and give you a shout-out. And uh, it's way in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, anything? Nothing? Nope. All right. You guys have a lovely week and take care of yourselves. And don't get punched in the dick. <laughs>